Everybody has a story to tell. Uh, part of your personal brand, part of your makeup comes from the stories, the things that happen to you that define who you are. And today, I just want to share a couple of stories and give you some insights into uh, the kind of things that you could be doing to understand more about you and then how you could use that in, in your stories and communicating your personal brand. All that after the break. This is REI Branded, the podcast all about building your real estate investing personal brand. My name is Paul Cockett, and my mission is to help you, the busy real estate investor, stand out from the crowd so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. Meaning that you can build a successful real estate investing business without feeling inauthentic, overwhelmed with marketing, or spending all day doing it. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. I want to kick off today by uh, sharing a couple of stories or what my former business coach used to call defining moments in your life. We've all got them. I can think of several kind of times during my life that uh, something has happened that's kind of helped define or determine who I am and who I've become. And two are kind of really close in terms of, as I'm recording this, it's coming up for Canada Day. 2022. And about a week before Canada Day is a holiday in Quebec called Saint Jean Baptiste Day. Uh, and I used to work for a recruitment company, it was based out of Montreal. I worked out of the uh, Toronto office. And uh, Saint Jean Baptiste Day for them was the day where we could turn up at work for the summer without jacket and tie. <laughs> and uh, so, quite traditional kind of company. And then Labor Day, we would go back to, to jacket and tie. Uh, but St. Saint John, Saint John Baptiste Day has much more of a, a meaning to me uh, than that. It's the day that uh, my oncologist, 11 years ago, 2011, told me that I was cancer clear. As you can imagine, that's in itself, having cancer defines who you are, but it also defines you in terms of how you handle it and what you do with it. And you know that day, I, I really do consider a defining moment in my life. I continue to be grateful for the fact that that I had such a great health service to to look after me and and give me the treatment that I needed, and continue to enjoy life as it continues. The second defining moment around this time of year is actually Canada Day. I was due to arrive in Canada in, on June 30th, 1996. I'd met a Canadian, was moving here to be with them, and had managed to get a transfer with the, uh, the biotech company I was working with at the time. And I was flying to, to start my life in Canada, arrived in Canada, and I had quite a few bags of, uh, of luggage because I was kind of literally moving wholesale. And one of the bags I had was full of technical equipment, you know, just kind of CD players and, and that kind of thing back in 1996. Of course, everything now is, uh, we all have it just in the phone. Um, but the, I didn't want to put that in the hold because I thought it was going to get damaged. I didn't want to put it in, in the main baggage because I, I thought you know, it was always a risk. It, was, it could get stolen. 
So I'd, I'd taken this bag on the flight with me, um, but unfortunately it didn't fit up into the, the overhead lockers. And uh, one of the cabin crew said, oh, that's okay, we'll take it and uh, we'll get it back to you at the end of the flight. So I gave them that. I sat down for my flight. My former colleagues in the UK had very nicely organized uh, for me to have a bottle of champagne delivered to my seat, which I didn't, uh, which I chose not to drink at that point. So I had a, I had the uh, the bottle of champagne. Went through the flight, and as we landed, and I started to get ready to get off the plane, I asked the cabin crew for my bag, and they they said, "Well, no, we put that we put that in the hold. It'll be on the bag- baggage carousel when you get there." I said, "Well, okay, that's that's great, but unfortunately." All my paperwork and passport was in that top of that bag as well. Uh, so I literally arrived in Canada on June 30th, 1996, with no identification and a bottle of champagne. That was it. <laughs> so part of my personal brand and, and who I am is I'll tend to kind of look at situations like that and kind of find the funny side and then you know, uh, figure out how, how I'm going to pr- progress forward. I'm not going to lose it and I'm not going to think it's not solvable. So I literally queued up for customs, walked up to the customs officer, put the bottle of champagne to one side and said, Hey, happy Canada Day. You're never going to believe what happened to me on the way over. <laughs> so I relayed the story and uh, I don't know if it was my kind of, Genuine honesty, likability, I think. But the customs officer just said, okay, just go get your bag and then come back here. And I thought, wow, that's pretty trusting. And I think that's that's a little bit of what Canada is is about or has been about. So I literally went to the baggage carousel, waited for my bags, and that delayed me and uh, finally got the bag, got my passport and paperwork, went back to the customs officer, and uh, he processed me. But that that delay actually meant that by the time I'd got through customs and actually stepped into Canada, as I would kind of officially put it, it wasn't June 30th anymore, it was July 1st. So Canada Day always has a bit of a, an amusing reference for me and, and uh, again, a kind of defining moment arriving in Canada. And you know, I've been here 26 years. I consider Canada as much home as my home country, England. Yeah, my kids were born here and you know, my life is here. Uh, and the chances are that you're going to have those kind of stories as well. The chances are that you have defining moments in your life, be they major things like, like a serious illness or something more kind of humorous or defining in terms of making a move or moving to a new country or a new job or starting a new business or whatever it is. The other element that helps when you want to define who your personal brand is, is reaching out to other people and asking what their perceptions are of your brand. And I use a tool with my clients. Uh, It's a 360 tool, but it's not like a 360 that you would know from the corporate days that you might have had. This is a 360 that is specifically designed to get feedback about personal brands. And I've just 
recently, uh, it's just been updated, the tool that I've used. I've been using it for over 15 years with my clients. There's only two assessments that I'm aware of in, in the world that give this kind of personal brand feedback. One of them is a self-assessment though. And I, I always have reservations about self-assessments because it, because of the sheer nature of the fact that it's a self-assessment. And so that, what I like about this particular assessment is the fact that you do have a self-assessment element to it, but then there is also the opportunity to go to a group of other people who know you fairly well and get their feedback. And it's actually anonymous feedback as to their perceptions of, of your personal brand. And there are a series of questions that people are asked. And so as this uh, assessment has just relaunched with a new look and feel, I decided it was about time to, to go and send that out to, to a group of people and get feedback. So I've been doing that over the last few weeks. And uh, I'll uh, give you the opportunity to kind of look at my report and uh, the feedback that I got at uh, some stage in the future. But the elements of the 360 that kind of help you define a little bit more about who you are, and, and also the important part of that is, is what you're putting out there as your brand in congruence or in, in line with what you feel your brand is. And sometimes I, I do actually work with clients where there is a disconnect. You know, what they think their brand is is not is is not what's being perceived by others. And so there's some work to be done around that. But the questions that uh, the 360 asks are what words would people use to describe you? And there's a list for people to choose from. So these are attributes. So there's two forms of attributes when it comes to personal branding. One is rational and one is emotional. So a rational attribute are the attributes that what I call the table stakes. They get you in the game, they get you considered, but they don't differentiate you. So if you're an accountant, for example, an attribute might be accurate or analytical or hopefully honest. But that doesn't differentiate because most accountants would say the same thing. But if it's quirky or funny or caring, we don't necessarily need to have those attributes to be a good accountant. And that's what we would term our emotional attributes. And when you think about the brands you know and love, the chances are, if you were asked what words would you use to describe those brands and why you choose to be loyal to those brands, the chances are some of those attributes will be emotional. So that's the reason for that question. The second question is around skills. What skills do the people think you have? And there, again, there's a list to choose from, and there's quite a wide range. There are also some skills that don't necessarily portray to be leadership skills, and so these are potential burnout skills. But if you're able to identify what are the key or the top skills that, that you have and that people see, often I find that people... It's the same with strengths, which is the third question. Often I find people don't leverage these enough. It's the things that you do so naturally and so well that you don't actually think they're strengths or, or great skills, uh, but they are appreciated and valued by others. Um, but if you're able to identify those top skills, those are what we would term motivated skills, which means that when you're looking at opportunities, be that new business partnerships, uh, new business, uh, new clients or in a career format, a new job opportunity, for example, you want to be sure that there is an opportunity for you to use those skills. 
in that situation. If there isn't, then it's going to get either very laborious or very boring or frustrating uh, quite quickly. So I mentioned the third her question is, what's your greatest strength and why? People are asked to give a reason why. And then what's your greatest weakness and why? And it's always good to be aware of weaknesses, although you'll never get to a point of moving, at least I don't believe, a, a weakness into a strength. It's good to understand how they impact your brand and, and what you can do to mitigate that or minimize them. And then the next question is, you're asked to be compared against two objects. And a lot of people do get the feedback occasionally from, from respondents that, you know, stupid questions. It's because they're being asked to be compared against cars, cereals, breed of dog, or household appliance. And they may sound silly questions, but sometimes it's difficult for people to explain your personal brand using words and skills. But when they can pick an object that they're familiar with and explain why, you sometimes get some very interesting and useful feedback. So interestingly, on my current 360, I've noticed, and you would have seen this five years ago, a few people have described me as a Tesla. Uh, and you know, it's usually because there's words that they use to describe like innovative or leading edge or things like those. And uh, you know, five, as I say, five years ago, you would have seen Tesla on that list. So there's always interesting feedback with those projective exercises. And then there's a, a role that people are asked to pick or, or roles. And there's, a, again, a list to choose from different types of leadership type roles. And then there's an opportunity for people to add extra comments. And, and a percentage of people will do that, uh, not everybody. And then you collect the, those responses over a period of a couple of weeks or so. Ideally, you're looking to get at least... 12 to 15 responses. If you can get to 20, that's great. But you need to have a list that's probably double that size to get those responses because not everybody will respond, even if they're people that you know and kind of trust enough to go and ask that feedback. Uh, people get busy. Not every email gets through, unfortunately, because of filters. So you do need to kind of build that list. So as I say, I'll, I'll share that in a future, future episode and, and uh, put the the report on my website if people are interested. But if that 360 is something that might be of interest to you to understand what your perception or the perceptions that others have of your personal brand, just uh, hit me an email, paul at paulcopcup.com, and I'll send you some details about it. And have yourself a brandtastic day. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.